Okay, I've just got three verses left to do, and these ones will be a little faster. <laughs> Is he dreaming? He's dreaming. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Oh, no, that's fine. Uh, Revelation 17, 12, the 10 horns. So now we are switching. We were looking at the seven heads. Now we're looking at the 10 horns. The angel is uh, explaining these 10 horns. 10 horns, which you saw, are 10 kings. So once again, we've got kings. This has to be a different set of kings than the kings we just saw because these are kings who have not yet received the kingdom. They're not kings where five have fallen. These are kings that will reign at the same time because they receive their authority as kings with the beast for one hour. Daniel 2 um, represents these 10 kings as 10 toes. Daniel 2.41 says, In that you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it will be a divided kingdom, but it will have in it the toughness of iron inasmuch as you saw the iron mixed with common clay. As the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of pottery, so some of the kingdom will be strong and part of it will be brittle. So these 10 kingdoms, obviously they're going to be vying for power and this dynamic of having um, a 10 kingdoms is actually not going to be more stable than having one common head. And that one common head is what's probably going to arise with the resurrection of the false Christ. It's probably at that time where he's going to exercise his power over these 10 kingdoms. Um, so it says the 10 horns, oops, uh, they have not yet received a kingdom. They will receive it with the beast for one hour. In Daniel 7.23, we get these, um, these horns um, in the, using the same imagery. It says, thus he said, the fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. As for the 10 horns, out of this kingdom, 10 kings will arise, and another will arise after them, and he will be different from the previous ones, and he will subdue three of the kings. So this brittleness in the kingdom is subduing power, or um, consolidating power. This subduction of the three kings, it's not clear whether that means he actually disposes of three kings, or if he just brings them under his power, perhaps he has to exercise a heavy hand over them to uh, break their wills. Uh, I don't know, you could think of this as like trying to uh, tame the, the China dragon. Um, obviously, China is not going to want to come under the authority of a world kingdom. They want to rule the world themselves. But China is not really in the running here to be the authoritative power. They probably will still be a kingdom. America might even still be a kingdom that's exercising power over its region. The Antichrist comes and is going to take power over the whole world. At least three of these regions are going to object. He's going to have to tame them in some way. Uh, Daniel 7.25 says, He will speak out against the Most High, and he will wear down the saints of the Highest One. He will intend to make alterations in times and in law, and they will be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time time being a single year, times being two years, and half a time being half a year, based on the 100 and, or 1260 days and the 42 months. These are all probably the same quantities of time. But the court will sit for judgment, and his dominion will be taken away, 
annihilated and destroyed forever. Uh, interestingly, then in verse 13, we see that all of these kings, they have one purpose and they give their power and authority to the beast, probably after they've been subdued by whatever the Antichrist has done under the demonic power of Satan, who then indwells him. They will give their power to the beast. We see this power being exercised in Revelation 16. We looked at a few months ago. This is the battle of Armageddon or the preparations for it. It says, I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs, for they are spirits of demons. They're performing signs which go out to the kings of the whole world, probably those 10 kings, to gather them together for the war of the great day of God, the Almighty. Um, so here I'm going to read the results of that great war because uh, they are going to try to actually win a war against God himself. It's going to be these 10 kings. They amass themselves right outside of Jerusalem. Their goal is to take the city of Jerusalem, but really their war is with God. He wants to sit in the temple of God and declare himself to be God. And God is the kingdom that he has to overcome in order to do that. So in Revelation 19.11, we'll look forward to what we're probably going to be doing in a few months. It says, I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. He who sat on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and wages war. On his head are many diadems, and he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. So we see him already depicted as that final king who's going to rule over the earth. He is the king that the Antichrist king is waging war against. Uh, but we see that on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, this is going to be a direct mockery to the Antichrist who is exercising his authority over kings. He is a king of kings, just as Nebuchadnezzar was a king of kings. But Jesus is the king of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. There is no one higher than him. And so the call is made in Revelation 19, 17. It says, I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in mid heaven, come assemble for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of the kings, and the flesh of commanders, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free men and slaves, and small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was seized and with him, the false prophet who performed the signs in his presence by which he received those who had received, deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone. The rest were killed with the sword, which comes from the mouth of him who sat on the horses, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. Now, I accidentally 
wrote over a slide that I wanted to read, which was the last verse that I was going to cover tonight. And that reading chapter 19 was explaining verse 14. Because verse 14 says about these, um, these, yeah, um, says these have one purpose, they give their power and authority to the beast, those 10 kings. Um, and that purpose is that these will wage war against the lamb. That's their purpose. The lamb will overcome them because he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings. And those who are with him are called the chosen and or the, those who are with him are the called, the chosen, and the faithful. Um, and that's exactly how they're described in, but that's uh, probably speaking of this crowd that comes with him in um, Jude, verse 14. It was also about these men that Enoch in the seventh generation of Adam prophesied, saying, behold, the Lord comes with many thousands of his holy ones. Um, these are the same descriptions given excuse me, given to the church um, in the seven church, uh, in the seven churches as well. Uh, but the main idea here, I think that should be taken away, is Satan is establishing a counterfeit uh, authority over this earth. It started with um, Babel, where false religion was introduced, and it's going to be in the end a false religion that is ruling politically or over these political powers. That's the woman who rides the beast. The beast is a political entity. The woman is the, uh, the harlot, the, uh, the religious entity. It's going to be centralized in a literal physical centrality of Babylon on the uh, Euphrates River, and Babylon, that religious center, is going to have to be destroyed to move a new religious center into Jerusalem, because it's over Jerusalem that a king of this earth would have to rule. Satan knows that. That's where Jesus is going to rule from. Satan can't rule from somewhere else and claim that he's been victorious over God. He has to rule the kingdom of Jerusalem, just like you don't conquer the king of Babylon without actually ruling on the king of Babylon's throne. He has to actually conquer the throne of the lamb in order to take the throne or the kingdom of the throne of the lamb. So Babylon's going to be destroyed and it's going to be destroyed internally. Uh, and that's what we get to look at next time because he is desperate to set himself up as this counterfeit Messiah. He wants to come in, declare himself to be God, to receive that worship because that's really how he won the kingdom of this earth in the beginning. He didn't win the earth itself, but he won the hearts of man. Man submitted himself to Satan when they listened to the serpent and they sinned against God. And so it's the kingdom of mankind that he's currently ruling. He's going to have to subdue the rest of creation in order to rule over God's um, throne. But the, uh, the stupidity of Satan is that his venture is really an impossible one uh, because God's universal kingdom we saw right in chapter uh, chapter five that God holds the title deed of this earth. It's not here on earth for him to collect. It's for God to hand to whom he will, and he hands it to Jesus. And so all of Revelation has been Jesus un or breaking those seals and taking power over this earth. And part of that is letting this kingdom become divided against itself. 
So we remember Jesus' words from Matthew 12, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. Mm -hmm. Satan's kingdom is going to divide against itself. Those 10 toes, they're brittle, that power dynamic. They're going to go in and destroy their own center before the Antichrist has even taken Jerusalem. Uh, but this people of God that's been collected down in Basra, Petra, uh, that's where the king is going to come and rule and destroy all the way back up pushing the Antichrist army back up to Jerusalem and take the throne himself. So it's, it's going to fail completely. And so this religious system is the false or counterfeit bride of the Antichrist. Uh, she's going to be overthrown. We see that rather than dying for his bride, he will slay his own bride. That's next week. And we have continuing this uh, counterfeit city. We've got always Jerusalem warring with Babel. Those are the two cities, the uh, tale of two cities, I guess you could call <laughs> everything from Genesis 11 to uh, Revelation 18 is the tale of two cities, this warring faction, the seed of the serpent or the seed of the woman, the city of Babel or the city of Jerusalem. All right. So that is uh, almost the end of chapter 17, but uh, we'll finish chapter 17 next week and then we'll do just one week on chapter 18 and we'll just breeze through that because that's the destruction of political Babylon. That's where we actually get to see uh, the reaction of the world when the city of Babylon, the physical city is torn down.